Was it worth it? Two weeks in the hole? Easiest time I ever did. No such thing as easy time in the hole. That's right. A week in the hole is like a year. I had Mr. Mozart to keep me company. <laughs> so they let you tote that record player down there, huh? He's in here. In, in here. That's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Well, I played the main harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget? Yeah, forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone, that there's a, there's something inside that they can't get to, that they, they can't touch. It's yours. What are you talking about? Hope. Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. Well, good morning, Hope. Uh, welcome to all of you who are worshiping together today. Is one church in thousands of locations. Hello to uh, all of our campuses, local sites, everybody here in this room. It's a great day. It's the third Sunday of Advent, and we're celebrating the season of hope. Advent is a season of hope. As I preached about last week, Advent means arrival. Preached last week about what biblical prophets say about the second coming of Jesus. That's part of this Advent season, but it's also what the prophets say about the first arrival, the first coming of Jesus Christ at Christmas, which we're just days away from celebrating. I mean, we're going to start Journey to the Light here at our West Des Moines campus on Monday and every weeknight next week, and there are hundreds of thousands of lights out there. It's going to be absolutely glorious. Uh, then the cantata the following weekend, our, our regular Sunday morning Advent services, and then a few days later, we'll start our Christmas Eve candlelight services, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, here at this campus. Different times, check your local listings, uh, whatever campus you're at or local site. We have dozens and dozens of services. Uh, we even put out a silly video uh, this last week, um, led by our creative folks here. They're just, it's an incredible group effort, and the staff has fun with this every year where they do a parody on a popular song and use it as a Christmas invite video. It's, it's um, going viral on social media, and you can find it uh, on the Hope page or on my public Pastor Mike Facebook page and share it and get it out. I'll, I'll show it to you at the end of the service today if you want to stick around. Uh, but there's, there's all sorts of exciting things right around the corner. But what about right now? For the rest of this service, I, I want you to, to keep your focus primarily on what's happening today, well, what's happening in the moment, what's happening right here. For, for Red and for Andy, the, the friendship that they develop in, in that classic movie, The Shawshank Redemption, it's, uh, it, it's finding hope in, in whatever they can find in, in those moments. God's word comes to us through the prophet Isaiah in our Bible reading for today and says, for those who live in a land of darkness, a light will shine. I think it would be good to do a little bit of background uh, teaching on 
what an Old Testament prophet is, because if we aren't careful, you're going to hear this say, Old Testament prophets. Okay, if I'm doing the math right, Isaiah lived about 2,700 plus years ago. What could he possibly have to say of any kind of relevance for our world today? What could he possibly say for, for a world like ours, what, a, 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 a modern world, a, a world that isn't relegated to the kinds of things that were going on back then? Well, that's the beauty and the power of God's word. God speaks through prophets in this way. God, God calls prophets, raises them up, and the faithful ones bring God's word, not their word. They bring God's word to, to God's people, to the world. The, the word in the world, they become the bridge between God's word and the world. They, they try to bring that intersection together so that people in this world, whatever they're up against or whatever they're dealing with, the good, the bad, and everything in between, the mountaintops, the valleys, and, and all the things that we have to face and experience, God sends his prophets to speak his word into those situations. So that's where we start to realize this bridge that the prophets like Isaiah become between God's word and the world remains relevant for us today. Because while the details change and the times change and what we have around us changes, there are these timeless truths, this, the, these transferable principles, the, the, this human condition that we have. Our human nature that leads us into all sorts of issues. So what the prophets do is they bring God's word to the world, but they also announce God's judgment. They do this in two ways. They bring God's word to the world in two ways. Number one, they announce God's judgment to those who wander from faith. And number two, they announce God's restoration. Words of hope for those who are keeping the faith. Take, for example, the relevance of these passages from the chapters leading up to Isaiah 9, our Bible reading for today. This is from Isaiah 8, starting in verse 9. A little bit of background. Israel, God's people, have divided just recently into two nations, which makes them more susceptible for enemy attack and takeover. And sure enough, that's what's coming. God sees it, God knows it, and so he's warning his faithful people. There's always a faithful remnant amongst the people. Part of the reason that they're about to be taken over by uh, enemy nations is because they have wandered away from the faith. They wandered away from God's word. They, um, they believe too much arrogantly in their own worldly wisdom. They believe too much uh, in, in their own ability to see the times for what they were. They got lost in debates, uh, divisive debates about worldviews and, and how people should be living. And it even got so far, I mean, as if you could imagine, I mean, that was back then, we don't have any idea what that's like today, but can you even imagine that when you get involved in these divisive debates, you start dismissing the other side and demonizing the other side and saying, I don't want anything to do with the other side, people who see the issue differently than I do? Yeah, it's pretty relevant. That's what was going on in Isaiah's world, in the real world, and so he speaks about what God says to this real world. Because the Assyrians are about to take over the northern kingdom of Israel and send them into exile so that they'll lose their freedom in the same way that Red and Andy have lost their freedom and are living in the Shawshank prison. But still there comes, in the midst of all this, words of hope. L listen, I'll show you what I mean. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9, huddle together, you nations, and be terrified. Listen, all you distant lands, come together, huddle together, stop dividing up. Call your councils, develop your strategies, 
Put your trust in God. Skipping down to verse 11. The Lord gave me, Isaiah says, a strong warning, a word for this world. He gave me this warning not to think like everyone else does. And so God says to me, and God says to you, don't call everything a conspiracy like the rest of the world does. Don't live in dread of what frightens the rest of the world. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. A chapter or two before, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. But you say, yeah, but that's what the rest of the world is saying. They're calling evil good and good evil. So I got to, I mean, I don't want to be an outcast. I got to fit in with the world. So I have to say the same thing. But you don't. Because it leads to a road that you don't want to end up on. It might look good at first, it might look like you belong, it might look like you're connecting, but what sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes, who put the wisdom of the world over the timeless truth of God's word. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. And then Isaiah gets very specific, God gets very specific, and he gives this word to the world that needs to hear it. I'm not saying this is you. But you'll recognize this, and you'll recognize that some people in our world need to hear this, and maybe it is us. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. They take bribes to let the wicked go free, and they punish the innocent. Therefore, just as fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels the flame, so their writs will not will rot and their flowers wither, for they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger burns against his people and why he has raised his fist to crush them. Aren't you glad you came to worship this morning? <laughs> happy, 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 right? You come here for some edification, for some hopeful words, for some good news in the midst of a bad news world. And you get this? You get God's warnings and judgments through the prophet Isaiah for a divided world and gets real specific about people who brag about their wisdom, people who brag about how much alcohol they can consume, people, people who brag about not needing God anymore and going their own way. Well, here's the thing. There are a lot of options out there. There are a lot of versions of spirituality, even some forms of Christianity that'll give you a shallow definition of God, a shallow definition of faith, sort of paint you a picture of a halfway God who doesn't exist, it's a pretend God that leads to a pretend faith for people who want to pretend they live in a different kind of world that isn't a real world. So excited about our whole annual theme for next year because the focus is, the theme is, it's God and us in the real world. It's not God and us in make-believe land, in some sort of spiritual fantasy land where we pretend we're all standing on mountaintops and when we come to church, we just put a, 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 a false kind of front on and, and pretend that everything's okay and leave all of our burdens behind and leave all of our cares and leave all of our stresses. Pretend that we don't live in a world where tornadoes rip through Kentucky and wipe out an entire candle factory, devastating the whole city, leading to, to who knows how many deaths, 
We can pretend that we live in a world where there is no pandemic, bury our heads in the sand, and act like it isn't happening, even though there are people who are sitting amongst you right now who have loved ones who have died, who have loved ones who are in intensive care, who have had loved ones who are struggling with this on all sorts of levels, or are still grieving the death of their loved ones. Our church family has done almost a dozen funerals now for people who've died of COVID. It's the real world. We live in a real world where people break up, where hearts get broken. We live in a real world where the economic stresses that seem to be mounting are real, where where, uh, nations seem to be dividing all the more against other nations, and sometimes within nations we're dividing all the more. It's the real world. So do you want a God who doesn't have anything for you in the real world, and where you just have to pretend that everything's okay to hang out with him? Because that's available. That's out there. It's the don't worry, be happy kind of minimized, fake version of what Christianity or spirituality is supposed to be. Or behind door number two, the biblical door, you have a God who meets us in real life, in the real world, who finds us right where we are, who shows up and says, man, that's awful. That darkness is real. Let me come alongside of you and let me give you a word that you need to hear because sometimes you've wandered into the darkness on your own. You've gone the wrong way or somebody led you there and you followed them or it's just a fact of the matter that you live in a fallen sinful world and so you're the victim of the circumstances of that fall. That's awful. So what kind of a God do you want? A God who says, you just keep doing that. Just keep going your own way. You can go your own way. (laughs) Go your own way. You can go your, you can can pave your own path. You you can go the world's way. You, You can go that way. But if I'm a God who sees and knows and cares and loves and has a deeper, timeless wisdom and truth for you, I'm going to love you enough to call you home, to to call you to repent, to change the way you think, to turn around. And I'm going to raise up prophets like Isaiah. It's not easy to be a prophet because they're going to be ripped for it, for telling the truth. Which is, of course, the catch-22. It gets a little dangerous. All these spiritual guru type people who are out there who tell, well, let's just make it a happy thing. And I'm all for happiness. Trust me. I prefer happiness to sadness. I prefer joy to despair. I prefer good days to bad days. But I live in a world where both happen. And I want to introduce you or reintroduce you to a God who shows up in all of it. Who meets you right where you are today whether you're on the mountaintop or the valley or anywhere in between. And he has a word if we're in the valley. Sometimes you're in the valley, God says, out of love for us. Sometimes you're in the valley because you made all the wrong moves. Because you wandered away from me. You wandered away from my guidance, my law, my commands. And so you got what you got. Turn around, it's not too late. Turn around and come back to me. Turn around and repent, and my grace will be amazing for you. It will cleanse you of all your wrong steps, of all of your mistakes, of all of your sins. It will wipe you free of that. Come and turn back to me. And not only will I forgive you for your sins, but I'll put you on a new path. And then for those of you who are on that new path, who are keeping the faith, none of us are going to do it perfectly, but we're living in this condition of grace. We're living in this state of of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you're keeping the faith, and I have some good news for you, I'm telling you it's going to get better. And this is what God said through Isaiah. He said both of these things. 
Judgment and restoration. Judgment, you're getting what you deserve because you wandered away from God's word and you live by your own commandments and your own morals, but also restoration in this word of hope. Everyone say hope. hope. Yeah, hope, this word of hope. This word of hope that it isn't gonna last, that better days are ahead because we turn the page from Isaiah 5 and Isaiah 8, which I just read from, and really the first eight chapters are filled with judgments and warnings. Then we turn the page to Isaiah chapter 9, and Isaiah is inspired by God to shift his attention to the people who are keeping the faith, or for the people who have repented, the remnant of Israel, who even though they're now living in a prison of exile uh, uh, as, as oppressed people uh, underneath an Assyrian regime, not just in their homes, they've been taken out of their homes and they've been taken into exile so they have to live in a land that isn't even their home. We could probably relate to this on on one level, although probably not a lot of us who are hearing my voice right now, but those that we're reaching out to as a church family through our Advent Outreach Project, the refugees who are fleeing for their lives from Afghanistan, and are coming to central Iowa, and you are rising up together as a church to love them and to bless them and to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and to bring this word of hope to them. You filled up 330 welcome bins for these families so that they can have the tangible physical supplies they need to start their new life over. And you say, well, I don't even know if we should be doing this. I I get that, I understand that there's all sorts of debates about these things, but there is no debate about God's word. In Hebrews 13, he says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without even knowing it and the Greek word for strangers is more literally translated into foreigners people from other countries don't forget to show hospitality to foreigners to people who come into your land from other nations especially to those who are fleeing for their lives this is what children of God will do if we're going to take God's word seriously and you're doing it Uh, your your generosity and the offerings that we're taking, the special offering we're taking during Advent, it's blowing us away. Keep it coming. Pray about it. Say, God, what do you want to do through me to help these people who are looking for hope? We turn the page to Isaiah 9, and the word of hope comes from God through the prophet Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Let's read that together, wherever you are. The people who walk in darkness... Say it's not much light. It's just a little, you know, glimmer, a, a glimpse, a, a crack in the door. The, the light is starting to break through. But here's the thing about keeping the faith. The longer you keep your eyes on Jesus and on this light, the more you start to realize the light is going to come into that darkness and back it down. Overwhelm it. The Bible promises this. God's word promises this for you who are up against it today but are keeping the faith. I'm telling you that your eyes are focused on the right thing, the word of God says, through his prophets. Stay focused on who God is, not just the God you're going to meet after you get through these hard times and he'll be there waiting for you. What if your Christian faith was about way more than just someday when you die you'll meet God in heaven? It is that through faith and by God's amazing grace. But what if it was also about God meeting you right here and right now? His light breaking through it. What if this darkness is us 
and, and where we reside. It certainly was where God's people, the Israelites, were under the Assyrian regime, as Isaiah is prophesying to them. Maybe it's how you feel up against it. Maybe it's how you feel in these times. Do you feel normal compared to how you felt a few years ago? Do you feel like our world's hitting on all cylinders, that we're doing our best? It's a lot of darkness in the real world. So here comes the good news. Now how does that hope look to you? Here comes ultimately the only hope that we really have. The light of God breaking through. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who reside in a land of darkness, Isaiah goes on to say, to repeat it, but say it in a different way. Those who reside in a land of darkness, upon them this great light of God's hope will shine. It's not just that, but now Isaiah is going to get specific in a really kind of exciting way. Because he's not going to just say, so you just hope in God in some sort of, I don't know, theoretical way, spiritualistic kind of way. You just sort of think about God once in a while and everything will be a little better. Is that as deep as your faith gets? I've got really good news for you today. It could get way deeper and it could be way more beneficial for you. This hope that God brings through his word, through the prophets, to us when we're up against the darkness, when we feel like the darkness is overwhelming to us, the light starts to break in and the darkness starts to overwhelm it. John chapter one, verses four and five says, this word of God comes into the world and he is the life of the world and this life is the light of all people. Next verse, verse five, this light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't extinguish it. It doesn't have any hope. Once the light of this God breaks through into the darkness, the darkness has no chance. What's John 1 talking about? It's talking about Jesus. And it defines that a few verses later in verse 14. He says, full of grace and truth, this Jesus was born into our world. And to those who believe and receive him, God gives you the power to become his very own children. Here comes the light. <laughs> it's breaking through. Here comes the hope. Isaiah in the 700s BC, over 700 years, seven plus centuries before Jesus was ever born, is talking specifically about Jesus. It's one of dozens of prophecies that the birth of Jesus Christ fulfills. You say, oh, come on. Anybody, could, you know, anybody who wants to invent a religion, and skeptically you could say this, so respectfully I just want to respond to anybody who might have some skepticism about the authenticity of scripture because you fall into the group of folks perhaps who make the assumption that the Bible is sort of a scam. It was written by a bunch of people who wanted to sort of start a religion sometime a little bit after Jesus lived and died on the cross. And so they got together and said, hey, let's make this story up. And they started in Genesis and then they wrote through to the book of Revelation at the end and, and they put this whole thing together and then they put it out there to see if you know, it would catch up the way a lot of books are written or stories are written or the way other religions have started, quite frankly. But even atheist historians would tell you how off base that view is. They would say actually the Bible was written over a period of 1,400 plus years by dozens of different authors who were inspired by God to write his word. And most of those authors didn't ever meet each other. They lived in different lands and different nations and different eras and different times. Good luck putting that whole scam together. Trying to, trying to develop a thread, trying to develop a storyline that fits, even though you never met those. Your, your books are written independently. 
in, in different centuries and different times and different nations. And they only came together later as the Bible after that Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. That's quite a feat. The reality gets even more interesting and the evidence starts to pile up in, in a more convincing and, and faith confidence enhancing sort of way when we start to realize the details of the way these different books were written and how one fulfills others and sometimes without even knowing the details of that. So Isaiah prophesies 700 years before Jesus is ever born, there's going to be this light. He's not just talking about some spiritual hope. He's talking about a person. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the anointed one of God. Yes, he's talking about Israel, but Jesus is the fulfillment for Israel. He's the fulfillment of their law and their prophets. He's the one who brings it all to resolution, to fulfill and this is just one example. Simeon comes along, who's a prophet after Jesus is born. Mary and Joseph bring their eight-day-old baby into the temple. According to Jewish custom, he's going to be circumcised. And Simeon has gotten this word, received this word from God throughout his life for decades. He's been at the temple waiting and watching and hoping, which is kind of an Advent thing to do. We wait and we watch and we hope. That's what Advent is all about. He's waiting for the arrival of the Messiah, just as we are today. But he's heard this word from God that you're not going to die, Simeon, until you get to see with your own eyes the salvation of God's people. You're going to get to see the Messiah. You're going to get to see the anointed one. And at the moment, at the moment that Simeon's eyes see Jesus Christ, eight-day-old infant Jesus, Simeon sees Jesus and he says, Sovereign Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace. I can die in peace now. For mine eyes have seen the salvation, the salvation that you have brought into this world, the fulfillment of prophecies for, that are seven plus centuries old. He is, Simeon says, a light to reveal God to the nations. You say, ah, oh, well, yeah, but he knew the prophecy, so he just kind of picked up on the imagery. Maybe. But if you're Jesus and you're trying to invent a religion or you're his followers, how do you invent where Jesus was born? How do you invent the fact that his mother was a virgin? How do you not challenge that if it isn't true? He wasn't born in Bethlehem. He's born in Nazareth. But he was born in Bethlehem, even though he's from Nazareth. His mother wasn't a virgin. Mary goes, I was too. How, 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 do, you, how do you invent this stuff? Look at some other examples. We could do this. Trust me, we could do a 12-week class on prophecies that Jesus' birth fulfills. Here's just a taste. Isaiah 9, a few verses later, and our Bible reading for today says, For a child is born to us. Talk about getting specific. Can you imagine being the Israelites in seven centuries before? What? A child's going to be born? Oh, that's our hope. A baby. God's going to send a baby into the world who's going to grow up to be the savior of the world, the Messiah. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Eternity. David. That's pretty specific. Can you control who your ancestors are? I know some people try. Usually when people talk about their ancestry and their presence, well, I come from royal blood, you know. <laughs> I come from blood that shows up on Jerry Springer show on a regular basis. <laughs> And they're not in the audience, they're on stage. I mean, they're the entertainment. Those are my third and fourth cousins. I'm like, oh, that's where that guy ended up. Nice to see you, Ned. For a child is born to us, he's going to come from the throne of his ancestor David. How do you control? You, you either are or you aren't. Jesus is, was. 
So here comes the fulfillment of the prophecy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Another one, where you're born. It's in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, centuries before Jesus was born, said the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2 says he was born in Bethlehem. I feel like I'm selling Ginsu knives. But wait, there's more. I could go all day. I could give you screen after screen after screen. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. A virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. It means God is with us. Whether it starts with an I in the old Hebrew or an E in most English translations, it's the same definition. God is with us. That's going to be his name, one of his names. And sure enough, it's fulfilled. According to Matthew's gospel, when Jesus was born, they called him Emmanuel. Oh, and... Matthew makes the point to say, and he was born of a virgin. And it's not just Matthew, it's Luke's gospel. It says, when the angel came to Mary, Mary was a little bit perplexed at first. She said, how can I be pregnant with the Messiah, the Son of God, if I have never been with a man, if I'm a virgin? How can that be possible? And the angel Gabriel said to her, this is God's Son. It's a miracle. It's bigger than any of us. Mary much to her credit, said, I'm at your service. What faith. Keep your eyes on God and you start to see the light breaking in like Mary did. Uh, Like those who heard Isaiah's prophecies, even though it was seven centuries away from happening, even though they'd lived the rest of their earthly lives in Advent, not in Christmas. Simeon got to see Jesus before he died in the temple when he was eight days old, but most of those who heard these prophecies didn't get to see him. But here's the really good news. Still the hope comes. Still the hope breaks through. His name is Emmanuel. God is with us. Psalm 71 verse 5 puts it this way. Given all of this, given all these prophecies that have been fulfilled, you have, we can say with confidence, you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. This is written about Jesus centuries before he's ever born in a timeless, beautiful, kind of mysterious sort of way. You've been my hope. Everyone say hope again. Shout it out, say hope. Hope. Great. Now what if it wasn't just a word that we shouted, but it was an actual experience of God that we got to encounter, especially when we're stuck in prison, in darkness, in times that are less, in situations that are less than ideal, like Andy who got a prison job in the warden's office as a librarian and he ordered some record albums. If you're 35 or under, record albums are these things that we used to buy (laughs) when we were kids and it was pretty exciting. You'd have record stores and you'd go to these places and it was really, it was awesome and you'd talk about the records you had and people would, you'd even bring your friends over so you could listen to records. And you'd put them on the turntable with a needle and they would be all scratched up and wobbly and, and then you'd play another record. So Andy gets the records out and he he pulls one out because he wants to be a prophet. He's called to be a prophet for those fellow prisoners that he loves. They're stuck, they're in bondage, they're in prison, they're in the dark. And in some really kind of wonderful, magical movie making, almost all the shades in Shawshank Redemption in the prison scene are shades of gray and darkness. But when he starts playing this song for all the prisoners, the light starts to break through. It's subtle, they never make any mention of it, but it's kind of fun to watch. But it's not just that. 
Because this could be your story too. Especially those of you who feel like you're stuck. Especially those of you who are losing your hope. The hope comes through God's word. Sing your song. When I was in third grade, our music teacher, elementary school music teacher, Mrs. Mitchell, would come into our class, and she was so passionate about music, she would say, you know, when you sing a song, it's hard to stay in a bad mood. Oh, you had Mrs. Mitchell too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the music's like, when you sing, it just lifts your spirits, and more often than not, it's true. It's hope-producing. Sing your song, church. Sing your familiar carols. I'm using familiar movie clips during the season of Advent. Rudy last week, Shawshank Redemption this week. But we're looking at it from a whole new angle than ways we've looked at it before. Because we're living in a different time. We're up against new challenges and obstacles and things that seemingly can't be overcome. Here comes your hope. Here comes your song. Open up your spirit. Don't just watch the prisoners receive this blessing. Receive it from God for you as you do. no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a great place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free. When the light of God's word breaks into our darkness, the darkness has no chance. It changes the scenery. I mean, if it's really God's hope, not this pretend God this pretend spirituality who's only going to meet us when we get things right, when we, get it, when we pretend that we're doing okay, we can meet this pretend God who meets us when we're okay and God's okay and then we're all happy together. But when the real God meets us in the real world in the midst of our real sufferings and real struggles, his hope comes like a light that overwhelms the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish it. You have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. 
I put confidence in this Messiah that you sent into the world that isn't just some story that was written by a bunch of disciples once upon a time in a vacuum apart from anything else looking forward or back. It's rooted seven, nine, even ten centuries back to King David. Actually all the way back to creation, to the fall of, of humankind and our need for a savior to redeem us. And from Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it points forward. It all points to Jesus. We look back on that, and that's our hope. Or we look forward to it, and it's our hope as God's people. The hope comes. The hope comes through the timeless truth and the depth of God's word. And it comes to you today. And you don't have to get to Christmas to experience it. You can experience right now in Advent in the season of waiting. Things don't have to get all pretend fake, you know, perfect in order for you to meet this pretend Uh, a fake God. God is knocking on the door of your heart right now, right where you are. That's hope. That's God in the real world and in our real lives. And so we sing our song. The prisoners got a glimpse of hope. It's like the only scene in the whole prison part of this movie where the sunshine shines brightly upon them. You can see their shadows The sun is so bright. They didn't have to get out of prison before they experienced this revelation, this joy, this peace. And as Red Andy's friend said, who's narrating this whole movie, he says, at that moment, every prisoner at Shawshank felt free, and we never feel that way. Where are you trying to get the light? Where are you trying to receive it and take it in? Sing your song, Hope. Sing your familiar carols. Not the ones that annoy you, you know, because they're played at the, at the stores and the malls over and over and over again on the radios. Like, seriously? Do we have to? I'm not going to name them because maybe it's your favorite and I just don't want to be that guy. But we all have the ones that are just like fingernails on the chalkboard after a while, Right? I almost sang one. I'm resisting a huge temptation right now. I'm moving right on. There's something about the deeper, lyrical Christmas carols that are grounded in God's word. If you dive into the words, if you immerse yourself in them, God's word spoken to you is timeless truth. It's hope-producing. Like one of the less familiar ones, but you'll probably still know it, even if you're not a church person. Well, come, O come, Emmanuel, and set us free. Ransom captive Israel. Right out of the pages of our Bible reading for today, from Isaiah. That mourns, these people mourn in lonely exile here. We're stuck, we're lost, we're in prison. We're not normal. We're up against it. We grieve, we're brokenhearted, we're confused. How can a tornado... How can that happen? We're wondering, we're wandering. Until the Son of God appear and brings us hope. And so we sing, rejoice, rejoice. God is with us, Emmanuel. This God is coming to us, O Israel. And it'll happen. But for the people who didn't get to see it themselves, and that might be us, we may not get to see Jesus face to face on this earth. We may not be here when he returns. We still have this hope. We still have this God who shows up for us, who's with us by his spirit. Second verse. Oh, come, blessed day spring. Come and cheer our spirits by your advent here. 
This is the season of Advent we're here. Oh, we prefer Christmas with all of the lights, with all of the candles. We've been waiting two years here at Hope to have Christmas Eve candlelight services. We couldn't do it in these rooms last year, in our sanctuaries. Isn't it going to be great? I mean, the things that you can't do, don't you appreciate them all the more? We're going to light our candles and we're going to sing Silent Night. And that alone is a good enough reason to make sure that you get here, that you show up at one of our 7,232 different services that we're offering. (laughs) Or something like that. Exaggeration. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, God. Give us the words of hope that you gave to your people through the prophet Isaiah. The words of repentance, turn around, and the words of hope as we keep our eyes on God. In death's dark shadows, send them away, put them to flight. Rejoice. Perry's going to lead us, just two verses. Sing your song, but as you do, immerse yourself in God's word and the hope that he's bringing us today. Mrs. Mitchell would be so happy. It's going to be hard for you to be in as bad of a mood as you're in right now when you get done with this song. Let's sing. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the sun of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to your faith deepens this Advent and you start to focus on the God who meets you in the midst of all your messes and your frustrations and your sense of hopelessness and he brings his hope, his light for that darkness. Rejoice. Isaiah chapter 9 says this, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will will be freed. So when Andy escapes from prison, he's baptized by the rain. And notice the light that shines upon him. And he gives glory to God for his freedom. He writes a letter to his friend Red, hoping that someday Red will get paroled. Andy's going to, you know, escape. 
and, and go to another country. And so he had told Red back in prison, I'm going to leave a message for you. It's going to be under a particular tree that you can find along a, a, a long wall of, of rocks that are there. And so Red finds his way to it because life isn't good for Red once he gets paroled. It's not normal. It's different. He doesn't, he's lost his hope. He's lost his joy. He's lost his peace. He doesn't feel free. So desperate, he goes and he looks for this message that his friend Andy left for him, and he finds it, and it's a letter. Dear Red, if you're reading this, you've gotten out, and if you've come this far, maybe you're willing to come a little further. You remember the name of the town, don't you, where I'm going, and I want you to come? I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for you and the chessboard ready. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I'll be hoping that this letter finds you and finds you well, your friend Andy. So you know what happens if you've seen the movie, and I'm guessing that's 98% of you. And you know I'm going to close the sermon by showing you that last glimpse of heaven scene, right? Where Andy, following the path that Andy, that, where Red, following the path that Andy, his friend, gave to him, finds his way to this heavenly scene. It's been all gray in the prison, even when the light breaks through. But look at the color, the glimpse of heaven at the end. As, as Red and Andy uh, rekindle their friendship and, and start together again, better together. Oh, the future is bright. So you know I got to show you this clip, right? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> because the point today is you don't need that. You're going to get it. Christmas is coming. I mean, Journey to the Light's going to be a party of all parties. You're going to get one of these candles when you come to Journey to the Light. Look at this thing. Who wouldn't want one of these? I mean, this is incredible. That alone is worth the price of admission, which is zero. It's worth the long lines. Last year, some people had to wait in line for over an hour to get in. Well, stop by and get some food. Turn on some Christmas carols. Bring a Bible and have somebody read the Christmas story while you're waiting. Get your heart where God speaks through the prophets and tells you to get your heart. Be patient. Wait for it. It's going to come. Christmas is coming. We'll sing Silent Night by candlelight. But that's not today. Today's Advent 3. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, yes, but happy Advent too. The reality is the real God meets you in the real world today and he brings you more than everything you need. You don't need the last scene of that movie in order to find the hope that is yours through faith in Jesus Christ. It's yours right now. Not just someday when you arrive, not just someday when you get there, not just someday when you bask in the glow of the lights of Christmas. Right now, your hope has come. It's here. That's the kind of God we worship. That's the kind of God who meets us here today. If you get it, say, got it. Get it? Good, then I'm done. Amen. Stand up. Let's sing a song. Merry Christmas, but happy Advent. And stick around to see that I've got some pretty serious dance moves after this.